Well, I'm having a lot of fun um, thinking and dreaming about Timberline Church. The first three weekends of the year, I'm, I'm always trying to say, Lord, show us where we're going, what we're doing, how to do it better. And we've identified some, some 14ers. You have an invitation that you received in your program last weekend. And you can pick this up at guest services today if you didn't receive one last weekend. Maybe you were still out of town or whatever. And when you open it up, it lists four 14ers. And when we say 14er, obviously living in Colorado with a, a church named like Timberline, we have a little metaphor going on with the mountains. And uh, we have identified four areas, four mountains we want to climb. And they're real simple. We're going to love our neighborhood even more than we have been. We're going to be persistent in prayer even more than we have been. We are people of the story of God. We're going to hear and reflect and celebrate the stories. And we are committed to generous giving, time, talent, and treasure. So those four things we're really focusing on in a really big way um, over these next couple of weeks. And next week I want to give you some goals pertinent to this campus. There's also a magnet that says let love live. And we, we had a few left over, so we're just putting them back at guest services and saying, if you weren't here and didn't get one, go pick one up. If you want another one for your workplace or somewhere, some other place in your car, pick one up and uh, remember to pray for your church. You know, our mission as a church, as it is in writing, it says Timberline Church exists. It exists to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. We take that mission really seriously. And we are grateful for the opportunity to invite you in to climbing these 14ers to say, how can we be super serious about committing ourselves afresh to God first, to one another, and to the world we live in? Because I think, I'll tell you, with what's happening in our culture, what's happening in our world, people need hope more than they ever, ever have before. So let's truly let love live. If you have a, a program, turn it over to the back, follow along. It's pretty full. There's a lot of stuff in there, but we're going we're gonna to go through this. The first thing I'm going to ask you to write down, it's a question, and it's this. What is a godly life? What is a godly life? Is that like, you know, if, if I said write a sentence of what a godly life is, you know, I would probably write something like, to be godly. <laughs> Right? That's the easy way. That's the easy way out. But what is that? What is that to be godly? Does that deal with, with actions? Does it deal with behaviors, um, attitudes, character, integrity? Yes, 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 and yes. Right? It's, it's all of that. It's our whole life. It's everything that we are. So, so it's really important. So I'm intrigued by what Peter is about to do in 2 Peter chapter 1 because he actually says, that we have everything we need to live a godly life through Jesus Christ. So that's a challenge in and of itself because I'm still working on being godly and having a godly life. How about you? So, but I think I have what I need if I pay attention to this. So I'm going to read it, follow along, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his glorious, marvelous, and excellent. His marvelous glory and excellence. Verse 4. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises 
that enable you to share his divine nature. Now, this isn't saying that we are divine. It's saying we share in his divine nature and we escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. I'm in a, I'm in a constant battle in my life to be godly. The human desires are constantly attacking me, trying to tempt me, trying to pull me into that flesh action. And I have the Spirit pulling me and God pulling me and I've got to make decisions every minute, every hour, every day to, to, to have godliness in my life and to be a godly person. And if you're not careful, you can start putting some boxes out there in your life and you can start living in a way that really brings a lot of shame and disgrace because it's hard to live this out. Let me give you an example. I have a, a few things that I'm going to write on the board today. Now, I think these are in your, in your program as well. Is it legalism up at the top there? Legalism, how many of you know what that is? Okay, it's, it's, it's just the letter of the law. The Pharisees would add more to what Jesus requires. So, you know, we say, walk a mile. The Pharisee would say, no, walk two and God will love you more. Well, that isn't what God said. He said, walk one. He didn't really say walk any miles. I'm just making that up. Okay, another, another word that's very important in my walk with God is balance. So legalism, balance, and then just, I don't know that this is the perfect word, but I'm just going to put it up here to give us kind of an idea. That's a T. Self, self-centered. Self-centered. And this would be someone who maybe is, is they love God, but they're not, they're not really committed to God in the sense of daily, they just, maybe they've prayed the prayer, but they're not disciplined, or they're new, it could be ignorance. How many of you believe you can be a follower of Jesus, you can believe in him, but still be a little self-centered in your life? Have you ever met a Christian like that? Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, we have some at Timberline. (laughs) Maybe you. Maybe me. You know why? Because we all have probably a little more of this than we want to admit. We don't see it in ourselves, but it, it pops up pretty regularly. Now, here's what, here's what I want you to see, and here's kind of the idea that I need you to get this. When I say devotions, and I'm talking about like your the daily devotional life. How many of you have a time in your day when you try to kind of hang out with God a little while? Okay, that's important. Habits matter. However, what happens to the person who's walking with legalism as it relates to daily devotions. Think about this. Here's what happens. Oh my goodness, I didn't have time this morning. I am freaking out. I didn't have my devotion time. I didn't read my scripture. It's gonna be a horrible day. God is ticked off at me. And then something bad happens in the day and what's the response? I didn't have my devotions. I deserve it. I deserve it. I know, Lord, I know. I'll do it tomorrow. And it's this guilt and this shame. Remember the song we just sang? <laughs> no more guilt and shame, no more sin and shame. But, but legalism loves to dump shame. I want you to do your devotions with a balanced life. I want you to be thinking about the joy of spending time with God. You know, I have a daily routine too. But I'm going to shock you with this. The Bible doesn't have any place in it where it says have a daily devotion. Oh, my God. Some of you are like, yes. (laughs) You're here. You're here. Okay? You're here. That's the point. That's the point is 
is we, we, when, we, when we don't have this roadmap that's exact, then we usually, these people default to the, to the lack of discipline at every turn. This person's not thinking about spending time with God. They're trying to get ready. They're trying to think about themselves, their day, what, what's to come to them. Even though they might say, Lord, you know, something like, hey, I'm here, love you, help me today. Give me, give me, give me. Let me make the promotion. I love to have this new job. Give me, give me, give me. That's kind of the, the daily devotion of a person like that. So you following me on this track? Legalism, balance, what are we going for? Balance. We're going for balance. Now, I'm going to really freak you out. Tithe. This one is fun to talk about. Now, here's what I like about talking about tithing. People who are tithing in the room right now and in the South, you love that I just put that on the board. You're like, oh, yes, man, I'm glad he's talking about this. Those of you that aren't are like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, no, I don't, I don't say crap. Never mind. No. I usually don't. I don't know why I just said that. Um, <laughs> I'm on drugs. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> Woo! I better sit down. So, where was I? I think, here's what I want to do. The tithe legalism. Here's, this is so important. The tithe legalism section is basically going to take you back to Malachi the prophet, chapter 3. Every time. Because he comes to Israel and he says, this is what the Lord says. You are robbing from God. Because you are not bringing 10%, which is a tithe, of your crops to the storehouse. The storehouse was the local church. And you're robbing God and you will pay a price for it. You will live under a curse if you're not tithing. Matter of fact, he goes on to say, um, go ahead and start tithing and I will pour my blessing out upon you. Your crops won't get diseased. I will protect them from insects. That's why you get people who say, if I tithe, I'll be rich. And that's not true either. But they, they, they take this passage. You can do whatever you want with this passage. But if you take that passage alone with the other, without the other things that the Bible teaches about giving, you become a legalist. Now, I'm a tither. I grew up a tither. I can tell you the first job I ever really had was scraping the floor of an auto mechanic shop when I was 13. I rode my brand-new 10-speed Schwinn bicycle that I paid $90 for. I was so excited. And... Uh, I was paid a dollar an hour, and I, I, he paid me in cash. That was a Friday. I went home. I had $4. I was pumped, man. And I remember going into the house and saying to my dad, I made $4, and I had him in my hand. And he said, come here, and let's chat about that. I said, okay. I was pretty excited. He said, um, how much of that belongs to God? And I said, none of it. I worked for this. This is my money. <laughs> This is mine. I worked hard for that. God was not there with me. Um, and he began to walk with me through the process of what tithing. He actually told me, Jerry, all of that belongs to God. And I'm like, well, then I quit. <laughs> That's no fun. No, he, he did a really great job explaining that um, all of it's God's, and I need to steward what God has put in my hand, whatever that is. But... I was grown up in kind of a legalistic home that said, you pay your tithe. You don't give your tithe. You don't give it. You pay it. If you don't pay it, you're stealing. So that's really strict, isn't it? That's legalism. 
And, and, and I, I, I do automatic deductions. I just do online banking. I just I love paying my tithe, and I'm joyful. But see, the balance is, if all I preach is that theology, then I'm forgetting what Jesus said about give everything you have, time, talent, and treasure. And the people who don't like to give treasure are really big on time and talent. It's always funny to me. Well, I don't give a lot of money, but I volunteer a lot. Well, it's the balance that we want. I'm, I'm not here to, to, to rap on anybody or put guilt on anyone or judge anyone. I'm saying think about the balance of your giving time, talent, and treasure. And, and recognize there's joy in that giving. This person has no desire. This person is praying for more. Let me, let me give you one more example and we'll move on, I promise. Witnessing. So sharing your faith. You know, I grew up in a church that said you need to share your faith. Look for opportunity. And we, I've even gone door-to-door before as a kid in our youth group, which I don't do anymore. Door-to-door, it's just a lot of door slamming and, and anger. Unless you're really good at it, gifted at it, or whatever. But I believe in, in authentic relationships. But here's, here's the point. The legalist views witnessing as a must and a have to. I need to share my faith or I'm not doing my job and God's going to be mad at me. And so they live in this constant battle. <laughs> Have you ever been around someone like this? Like, like you walk into a house or a restaurant and you say, man, that bread smells good. And they say, you know, that's why Jesus said, I am the bread of life. <laughs> Have you tasted the bread of life? No. <laughs> I don't want to either. You're weird. You know, it's just, it's like, it's like every, or grandma that puts like the Bible open with a highlighted scripture when you visit, you know, because she knows you're going to need this, you know. It's just every opportunity to turn conversation toward some explanation of the gospel. Now, we should look for opportunities, balance. The Bible says to be led by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. So that when I have opportunities on a daily basis to rub shoulders with people that I believe in and they believe in me, suddenly I might end up in a conversation about faith, what that means. I've had so many wonderful stories through all these years here at Timberline of watching people develop their faith. I love the story of this one gal who's a veterinarian student at CSU, just a wonderful lady. And she came through Summit. I got to know her two years. She just struggled in, in, in the whole analytical side of, of science and faith and what do I believe and why. And two years she came and sat with you. And finally one day she came up to me with a tear in her eye and she said, well, today I, I prayed that prayer with you after two years. I said, it took you long enough. <laughs> she was... In a process, and that's okay. And we need to be patient with people who are not where we are, but they are different than us. Don't fall into just the legalism trap, because the legalism trap will rob you of the real blessing. Walk in a balanced life as it relates to being holy, okay? So think about that. Apply it to your life and think about it. Now, the second thing in your outline is is a question. And it's, what is a bridge church? What is a bridge church? I, I like bridges. I think it's fun to talk about church in light of a bridge because that's really what, what God intends us to be. We are personally bridges for people, and we are, as a church, a bridge for people to get closer to God and move along to a new place. So, so what is a bridge? Here's, here's three things, I think, in your outline that I want you to write down. First of all, what is the purpose of a bridge? The answer, span a gap. 
to be a span over a gap that exists. Years ago, when we became Timberline Church and our logo, I did a whole series on being a bridge church and what it meant and what it looks like. Because our whole goal as a church is to build bridges to people who don't yet know God. And how do we do that? We do it through care. We do it through giving. We do it through serving. We, we do it through sacrificing. We do it through just a lot of things that we do here at Timberline, and I'm thankful for it. But I want you to just take a look at this picture and see if you recognize this bridge. What, what bridge is that? Yeah. How many of you have been across that bridge? So when you got to it in your automobile, did you get out of your car, park the car, and run over and go? To test it? Anybody? No. Why? Because you trusted it. Because you look at all the cars on that bridge, and they go every day. But I want to tell you something, and that's not even a big bridge by, by standards these days. Um, that spans a big gap. And if you ever go over there, I want you to pay attention to how many people live on each side of that bridge. You know why they can do that? Because there's a bridge there. They can get there. Without that bridge, it's a long swim. And you're not going to want to do that every day, right? And if that goes down, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> there's some other ways, another bridge that can get you there, but that, it's a mess. If you've never been there when one of those bridges goes down, it is a mess for a long time. And it might take hours, even days to make it. So what's the point? We are a church that spans the gap. People don't know what they know about God. They're not sure what they believe about God. And we say, hop on. Let's take a ride, trust this bridge, let's move forward, because we all need help getting to the next level with God. I'm on a bridge still, you're on a bridge still, and we're working, getting closer to God, learning. we got to take people from here to there. So we've got to welcome people in our church. You know, there might be people who, who look or, or share a different preference politically than you. There might be Tattoos or piercings or hairstyles or clothes. There might be a lot of differences in the people who walk into our facilities and, and all of our campuses around northern Colorado. It's important that we are a welcoming church. Why? Because we want to build a bridge to all of mankind. And it just takes one look, one glance of some holier-than-thou glance to run people out of here. Do you realize that? So welcoming and saying hi and being a bridge church. Another, another bridge I want to talk about, a reason is built to, to be trusted. The second line there under that point. And that is not afraid to step onto it. You know, the Golden Gate is pretty solid, and so you're probably not afraid to, to walk or drive across that bridge. But let me show you the picture of another bridge and ask you, how do you feel about this one? What do you think, what do you think about this one? <laughs> yeah, some of you are like, yeah, let's try it. Woo! Yeah, you'd have to think about that a little while. A lot of gaps there. That's the bridge. That's the bridge right there that a lot of people see when they see our lives. Or they see the church. They don't know if it can be trusted. They've had a bad experience. They got, they got really hurt in church. Someone pulled the rug out from under them or someone they trusted failed. And so they're looking at things like hypocrisy and saying, I don't want to step on that bridge. And we all have a little bit of hypocrisy. But see, here's the deal. I think Timberliners especially, we're not claiming to be there. 
We're not claiming to have it all right. We're smarter than that. We're saying, look, come and join the journey with God and, and he'll clean you up as we go. That's the joy of being fishers of men. We catch them, God cleans them. <laughs> right? None of you are the holiness police going around saying you do this and this and this. That's why Jesus said, hey, pay attention to this, to the Pharisees. You know, you're looking at a splinter in someone's eye when you have a two-by-four in your own. So, so we are careful not to be judgmental but loving. And we want to build bridges that are strong. And, and people have all kinds of excuses as to why they don't like the bridge they see called church. All they want is my money. All they're interested in is hypocrisy. All they have expectations. I, I get this not very often anymore, truthfully, but like, like we call this our living room, right? And it's not a sanctuary or a temple. Big difference. Those are Bible words. Those are like Old Testament Bible words where where God did abide in the holy of holies. And if you went in there with sin, you would be struck dead. They tied a rope onto the priest when he went into the holy of holies. So if he died, they could drag him out. I'm not making that up. But like God doesn't live in this building. Like when we all go home here in a little while, God's not like, oh, I miss them. I hope they come back. He's not because he doesn't dwell here. We are the new temple. So where does God really dwell? In us. So, so you get people, it's just funny to me. I don't get, I promise I don't get many of these. Um, but I'll get, I'll get a few emails a year that say stuff like, I'm very disappointed in you and Timberline because I see too much coffee in the sanctuary. <laughs> Bagels and donuts. This is a house of God. And I just, I just smile, and I just want to, you know, they usually don't have a name on them. Um, and I, I just, I just want to somehow sit down with them and say, look, this, this isn't the sanctuary. Um, this is. You know, I asked this, this one person who was really ragging on me one time about it. And I said, so is this the temple? And they said, yeah. And I said, do you put coffee in there? <laughs> They're like, you're tricking me. No, no, I'm not. I'm really not. And then, and then you've got one more there. Um, it allows access to new territory. Bridges allow people to go places they wouldn't ordinarily go. Matter of fact, they might, they might even change terrain completely. You can actually take certain bridges into another country just by walking a bridge where all the laws change. Or what about this picture? This is going into a new place. Death. No, no. No, I like this picture. I, I think I would like it better if it had like a big boat at the end of that dock, right? But here's the point. If I want to take a swim, that's a pretty nice place to do it. And, and so I might, I might have a bridge that takes me into an arena that is different than anything I've ever done before. I promise you, people who have not walked with God... They don't know God. They weren't raised around God. It's a bridge like that. They're scared. They come to the end of that. And that leap of faith to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life is massive. And sometimes we don't realize how big it is. And so our patience and our care and our love really matter as a church like Timberline that has so many people coming in and out and, and, and inquiring about God and asking questions about God. If that's you today, welcome. We're delighted to have you here. We're delighted to hear your questions. Keep asking them. 
God's okay with questions. We want to allow you access to new territory in your life. As a matter of fact, our entire logo, our entire logo, I'm going to give this an attempt here. Wow, that's not bad. It's not bad. Um, <laughs> our whole logo came about when we got the name Timberline, mostly because of Timberline Road out here. I said, I want to draw up a logo that looks like a cross, but obviously is a T and has a bridge, like a bridge. And the first renditions actually had little markings like a bridge, but then it didn't really look like a cross. <laughs> so I said, we'll just do this. But when you see this logo, I want you to think about what this means. And here's what it means. This bar right here, yes, it's a cross, yes, it's a T, represents the bridge that we want people to go from outside the cross to inside the cross. If I put the peaks here, I, I all of a sudden am aware that there are many people living outside the cross. There are many people who are not followers of Jesus. Some of you have friends or neighbors. They're way over here. Long, long, long ways from God. However, if you are their friend, they're on this bridge. No, you don't know them. <laughs> no, I get it. But because you are a follower of Jesus and they are your friend, you can pull them onto this bridge. And I don't mean coercion. I, don't, I just mean friendship that's authentic and real. And suddenly, people you work with, those coworkers, those people you do business with, when conversations come, again, not legalistic witnessing, but balance in openness to what God is doing. God puts people in your life. Do you believe that? He does. So what happens is you suddenly have an opportunity to walk with people. And those people outside the cross are in a journey with you. And the day may come. It might take two years or five years or ten. Then they decide to go into faith. And when they do, you've been a part of their story along with many, many other people. And that's what we're about as a church. What does it mean to be a bridge church and to care about the right things and to help people take that, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> that journey, that journey? Because I'll say one thing and we'll go to the last point. Churches are too often better at building walls than building bridges. Because everything is no. We don't, we can't, we won't. Instead of saying, why don't you come and taste and see that the Lord is good? And giving them space to experiment with God. If, if you're here today and you feel that there's a wall, I want to just tear that down right now and tell you that there is a bridge. And wherever you are on that bridge, God loves you and he's pulling you toward him. And don't run away. Keep saying yes. Keep examining your heart. Number three, what should I be focused on? What, what, what should my focus be as a follower of Jesus trying to be uh, holy, trying to love God, trying to make a difference in the world, trying to climb these 14ers? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a quote. Uh, Dan, one of our volunteers here at church, shared last weekend with me a song that, that I've known for years by uh, a lady by the name of Pat Benatar, an old rock and roller. Anybody know Pat Benatar? She's not quite Sandy Patty. I don't know her relationship with God, but, but she had some great songs. And there's a song that really was popular uh, called Invincible. And one of the lyrics in the song is very powerful when you think about it in terms of passion 
and conviction. Here's what it says. And with the power of conviction, there is no sacrifice. And with the power of conviction, there is no sacrifice. In other words, the sacrificial things that I do out of passion and conviction don't feel like they're sacrificial at all to me. Because it's everything I'm about. It's who I've become as a person. And when I think of Jesus coming to this earth, dying on a cross for our sins, he, he didn't view it as great sacrifice. He viewed it as his passion and holy conviction to lay down his life. That's why he said, you didn't take my life. I laid my life down. That's conviction. When I, when I become that, a lot of good things will happen. Now I want to read 2 Peter 1 verse 5, the very next verse where I stopped before. This is a very wonderful passage. It's, it's kind of called a stackable or a stack-on passage where one thing goes to another thing goes to another thing. Some theologians call it the seven graces because there are seven of these. Verse 5, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Here we go. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. There you go. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's a pretty big list. But when I think about my response to this, and one of the things I love about the invitation that, that you have, please take one if you don't have one, is every four, all, all of these 14ers have a my response with them. Let me just give you an example. We love our neighborhood. My response. I will seek to be a blessing where I live, perhaps looking out for the lonely. We are persistent in prayer. My response. I will make my daily walk with God a priority. It says some other things. Number three, we are people of the story of God. My response. I will continue to be a lifelong learner embracing the adventure of traveling with God. We're committed to generous giving. I love this response. My response, I will recognize that God owns me and everything I have. Man, that's big stuff. That's big stuff. That's going beyond, oh, I'm going to do some good things. That's saying I'm in. And I give my life to this. And I believe God will respond in a way that honors my effort. I, I put a little challenge out in front of you through your, your program there. Um, how many of those things are listed in verse 5 through 7? There are seven of them. How many days of the week are there? Seven. You guys are awesome. <clears throat> so I did this for myself really a couple weeks ago. And I've had so much fun with this. I, I, I'm warning you, you will be tested if you, if you try this. So on Monday, uh, work on morality and thought and action. Just Trap your mind, take thoughts when you're tempted, just work on it. Just be aware of it throughout the day. On Tuesday, I, I said, I'm going to learn something new about God today. I read a couple new things I hadn't read before. But Wednesday was my test day, okay, because it said work on self-control. Five minutes out of my neighborhood, I'm not kidding, a guy almost ran me off the road. And I, this, this hit me. I just had it posted up before I could see it, and I just, I just went, well, bless him, Jesus. Thursday's not fun either. Show patient endurance. 
Uh, Friday is kind of fun. Count the moments that you show godliness. You know, just, just think about, man, how did, I, how did I respond to that? And you can read the rest of them, but just think about it. Here's what I want to do. I want to have a response moment with you. I want you to think of someone that's your friend or maybe family. Could be your kids or parents. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Just a name of someone who's not walking with God today. And God has been prompting you to pray for them and stand in the gap for them. Because in a moment, I'm going to have you stand and we're going to call their name out. We're going to whisper their first name, not last. And we're going to agree together that God will build a bridge to that person using us or someone else. You don't have to stand if you don't have a name. You don't have to quickly try to create one. But if you have had, you know, in your life these, these urges to see someone come to faith that you've been working with, you're in a journey with, then would you just please stand right now uh, in the South Auditorium as well, those of you there. Just stand right now. We're, just, we're not going to have you come up here or anything. I just want you to stand and we're going to call their name out and we're going to pray for them that God would absolutely reach them and build a bridge to who they are because God wants to. God's already knocking on their heart, I guarantee you. So those of you sitting down, just look around you and maybe just pray in agreement with, with those who are standing. I want you to just whisper their first name right now. Go ahead. Lord, you hear the names. You hear the names. You know these people better than we do. You know everything about them. And you want to build a bridge to them through us, through others. And so we say yes. We say yes, show us how to, with balance, bring conversation and love and care and kindness. Show us how to authentically love with no agenda. Just whisper their name one more time, would you? We put these folks into your hands. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can be seated. Now, Lord, for the rest of us, all of us together, corporately as a church, we just say thank you for challenging us to be a bridge, for calling us to be holy. Not weird, not wacko, not legalistic, but show us how to have joy. And Lord, if there is anyone under the sound of my voice, online or in these auditoriums today, I pray, if they're separated from you, they would feel a tug from the Spirit right now that says, I want to follow Jesus. And let them make that decision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.